the NBA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. Bet $50 at WinBet and get $200 in free bets. Bet big, win bigger with WinBet. Download the WinBet app now or visit winnbet.com and start winning today. Ross, we're brought to you by Sleeper. You already play fantasy on Sleeper, but now you can win cold, hard cash with their over-under game. Just head to sleeper.com slash SGP on your phone and join the SGPN group, and Sleeper will automatically match your first deposit up to $100. That's sleeper.com slash SGP. And make sure to download the SGPN app, your home for all of our free picks and podcasts. Welcome, everyone, to the NBA Gambling Podcast, part of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. It is Monday, June 6th, currently 11.04 a.m. on the East Coast. Here to talk some more NBA Finals. We'll recap Game 2 that we saw last night between the Boston Celtics and the Golden State Warriors. If there are any updated series uh, bets and prices that uh, we want to give out, We'll talk about those as well as we kind of progress here through the NBA Finals. But joining me here to break it down, as usual, on Mondays, the superstar of the show. The man is on a heater, both in the NBA and the WNBA. The main man, Terrell Furman Jr. Terrell, how are you feeling this Monday morning, brother? Man, you know what? I'm feeling amazing. I'm feeling undefeated. And, you know, there should be a reason why I feel undefeated because, you know, if we combine what I gave out on the NBA gambling podcast and you combine what I gave out on the WNBA gambling podcast, then I'm sitting at a healthy uh, one carry to two divided by three multiply and uh, square rooty uh, eight and oh, if you guys can see us, he's sitting there counting his cash in front of us right now. Eight and oh, ATS. My dog didn't go Dallas Wings, but you know, still covered. It's all right. But, but ANO ATS, man, that is, you know, the life of villainy is amazing. I just want to say, <laughs> I just like to say that the life of villainy is amazing. It's treating me well for all those people that, you know, want to go to a hero academy and want to learn how to be a great hero and stuff like that and go out here and you know, hang out with a bunch of kids and learn how to do hero business and go into the hero stuff and be a sidekick, all that. No, come over to the League of Villains. Come to the League of Villains. We are taping applications. You need to send me an email between the time of 10 a.m. and 10.05 a.m. You have that five-minute window on Mondays to send me an email, and then you can come in and you can join the League of Villains. It's perfectly fine. Also joining us here to break down some more NBA final stuff. It's Scott Studio, Studio Rice Show. What's going on, my man? Nothing much. Uh, chilling. Had a pretty profitable weekend myself. Not as profitable as Terrell, but I can't complain too much. You know, when the bar's set too high, you just don't want to fall too far behind, I guess. But <laughs> overall, doing pretty well. How's it going with you? Uh, it's been okay. It was it was an up and down betting week. Uh, haven't been that great in the NBA finals yet, but. Uh, hopefully we can or I can turn it around here uh, as we approach games three, four and five. But gentlemen, uh, last night, let's just dive right into it. Golden State evens the series up. They get the victory over the Boston Celtics on their home floor. 107, 88, um, led by Steph Curry again, 29 points. He was nine of 21 from the field. Um, cover the spread, uh, full game spread that. Total did stay under by about, I think it was about 19, 18 and 19 points, depending on the number that you did get on the under. Terrell, again, crushed his picks yesterday. He had the under full game as his lock, and then his dog was the Golden State Warriors, minus nine and a half. You could have got that anywhere from up to plus 190 all the way to plus 200. Uh, but Golden State responded in a big way. Uh, Terrell, let me start with you since you crushed it yesterday, my man. Uh, Takeaways from the game, and how do you think the game kind of played out here? I mean, I hate to say that, you know, I told you so, and it went exactly as I scripted, but it kind of did go exactly how I scripted. I thought that the Golden State Warriors were going to come out and they were going to be more aggressive, and technically they didn't really do that. They were asleep for most of that first quarter and a terrible bad beat on you guys' lock, and for anybody else that had that Golden State minus one and a half, even if you had Golden State minus one, you're still kind of sick about that because they had the opportunities, and 
Sean and I were both sweating a Kevin, a Kevon Looney prop <laughs> for no reason. Well, I wasn't sweating it, but Kevon Looney had a chance to get an additional assist by a three to Steph. And I was pulling for that three because that was going to put us in, ahead two instead of ahead one. Yeah. But Steph missed it. So Kevon Looney didn't get the assist. We didn't get the first corner. So it was a lot of it was a lot of sweating for different reasons going on over there. But other than other than that, Golden State really started to pick up a little bit. Boston had fight in the first half that I thought that they would fight early on, but that third quarter is hard to overcome. And when you don't overcome the third quarter, you get blown out in the third quarter where the other team is efficient, effectively scoring double the amount of points that you have. Yeah. Then it's really hard to get back in that fourth quarter. <laughs> that fourth that fourth quarter in game one was an anomaly. And yeah. I truly believe so. I didn't I wasn't worried for Golden State at all at the ink at the how excuse me, how game one turned out. I wasn't worried for Golden State at all because I knew that that was a little bit of an anomaly. And I'm still fairly confident in Golden State in this series. And Kramer gave out 14 to 1, Golden State in five. It's probably still some pretty juiced up odds, but I don't hate it because I think that Golden State, when they're on defensively, they are one of the best teams in the league because of how easily they can create offense for themselves. And that's a terrible, terrible thing to be able to go against. So Golden State's hot right now. And Mm -hmm. do they stay hot? Yeah, I think yeah, Sean had the tweet of the night last night when he said he was sweating, uh, sweating out uh, Looney's assist prop like a psycho on a Sunday night. I thought that was pretty funny. But yeah, defensively last night, Golden State was absolutely fantastic. And you hit the nail on the head there, Drell, that they were going to respond. If you kind of go inside the box score and the team stats, uh, last night the Golden State Warriors in game two finished up with 15, 15 steals. Um, and only compared to five steals for the uh, Boston Celtics. Scott, uh, same question. Uh, how did uh, or your takeaways from the game and um, how uh, Golden State responded last night in game two? No, my takeaway was Golden State won a must win game and Boston ended up putting up a fight early. Third quarter came around and we've seen this movie before for the last, I don't know, seven, eight years at this point. Mm-hmm. So I'm not exactly surprised that Golden State ended up pulling it out in the end. It was kind of a similar story to what happened in game one of that Celtics Heat series where Boston just hung around and got smacked in one quarter and they got blown out. That's kind of what happened. I mean, if you look at the other three quarters, I know it was a blowout going into the fourth quarter at that point, Mm -hmm. but Boston won the other three quarters combined by two points and they still lost by 19 because they got outscored 35 to 14 into the third. The main takeaways for me, Golden State defensively responded. Gary Payton, the second, finally played a bunch of minutes. I still can't believe he didn't play in game one, but Golden State looked like a team that needed to have it. Boston looked like, looked like a team that put in a fight early, got punched in the mouth, didn't exactly respond after that, but they didn't really need to because they, they ended up accomplishing what they came for, which was to take one game. Now they got home court, and of course, Golden State has the streak of consecutive series with a road win, but if Boston hypothetically defends home court, they win the championship. So I don't feel like Boston should be fully discouraged the goal going in is, of course, to take both, but the realistic goal is to take one. Right. They did. Tatum was a game-low negative 36, which is just disgusting. But if you're looking at how everybody else played on the team, I can't tell how much of it was Golden State's defense being amazing, which it was, and how much of it was Boston just being awful because Boston shot 37.5% from the floor. Yeah. Uh, Jalen Brown went 5 for 17. Marcus Smart went 1 for 6. Game one hero, Derek White, ended up going four for 13. But I have no idea how you have Horford and Marcus Smart combined for 10 shot attempts. How does that happen? Yeah, and I think that was one of my takeaways last night was that... Zero free throws, by the way. Zero free throw attempts by both players combined. Yeah, Al Horford, I mean, we talked about in game one who had that huge game, especially in that fourth quarter. (coughs) Sorry, uh, hitting some big shots. Uh, for the uh, uh, Boston Celtics, especially those three-point shots that kind of iced the game for them. But he only got four shot attempts, uh, 2.8 rebounds for Al Horford. Um, and Robert Williams, again, he, he I think he's right now. I mean, he took a shot again last night in the knee. I don't know if it's the same knee that has been bothering him. Uh, some friendly fire between him and uh, Marcus Smart. But, 
you got to think that he's probably only going to be at what 50%. Do you think Scott for the rest of the series is Robert Williams, the third, I would think so, but they have multiple days off basically in between every game. So I, I don't know how that's going to impact him moving forward mm-hmm. because he does have ample time compared to usual playoff series and sure. compared to regular season situations mm-hmm. to rest up the knee to get it maybe to 75. He's definitely compromised, but I'm going to ask both of you this question because I kind of said it's a mix between the two. Was Golden State's defense otherworldly? or that half of Boston's team does not show up offensively? Because you can talk about how Golden State's defense with Gary Payton II was really solid. Yeah. But you're looking at the actual offensive shot breakdown for Boston. Tatum took 19, Brown took 17, White took 13, and Pritchard had seven. Nobody else on the team had more than six. Marcus Smart and Horford are going to play 25 minutes and 28 minutes, and they're going to combine for 10 shot attempts. It just seemed like Boston had no real responses. Golden State had their counters. Boston didn't have any in response, and they got run out of the building. But what do you think? Do you think it was mostly Golden State's adjustments, or did Boston just look lost offensively the entire game? I thought it was really their defense last night because I, I was really impressed with the Warriors' defense. And, you know, Terrell talked about it, how he, he thought the defense was going to respond, and they did in a big way. And I really thought the defense was excellent down around the basket. I mean, they were they were getting guys in there that were, you know, getting into painted double team. They were getting deflections. They were getting the steals. And, again, it showed up in the box score where they did have 15 uh, um, steals in the game. So I personally thought – that it was really the defense of the Golden State Warriors because let's not forget that these two teams were number one and number two in defensive efficiency to close the regular season. That really carried over for them in the NBA playoffs. And again, Golden State dis- uh, displayed that last night um, with their defensive efforts. Uh, Troy, what did you think it was? Was it the offense that didn't show up for Boston or was it just how good the Golden State Warriors defense was? I think that is the defense challenging the offense to not show up, if that makes sense. So I'm a little bit of a cop-out on both sides, but Golden State's defense, if you watch this series, they're challenging Boston to not show up. If you remember the stats in that first half, Boston was shooting over 50% from three. Where, But mm-hmm. if you looked at their full-game percentage, they were shooting 34% from the field. So if you're shooting over 50% from three, that means everything else is basically not going in if you're at 34% from the field. So they're t- basically telling you, hey, you come off that three-point line and we're in your ass. Yeah. Pause. And basically that we're going to get after you. We're going to make sure we're going to contest. We're going to give you hard, difficult shots. And we're basically begging you to shoot the three because we're going to bank on you not shooting 30, 50% every single game. If you get, if we hold you to even 40, they shot 40% last night and still 37.5% from the field. They're locking everything else outside of that three point line and they're daring them to make three point shots. And so now it's, Hey, can you continue to make that? Sh- if you can shoot 50% every game, the rest of the series, fine. You could tip our hat. You deserve to win, mm-hmm. but we're going to bank on you not being able to shoot. We know that you're an inefficient offense and that you can be streaky at times. And we're going to just sit here and say that you're not going to make threes every single game. And if we take away the moneymaker, which is a lot of points in the paint, then, well, you're not going to really be able to get anything because if we look at the stat sheet and what Boston did last night, they had 24 points in the paint as opposed to Golden mm-hmm. State's 40. Yeah. So that I, I say it's the defense, but the defense is challenging Boston's offense. They're challenging Boston's offense and saying that, hey, I'm begging you, go ahead, take the shot and try to make it, but you're not getting anything easy. We're going to make this hard on you. And that's a little bit of what they did in the first game as well. They made the inside shots harder for them. It's just that Boston was able to shoot well over 50% from three. So, yeah, it's, it's Golden State's defense. But Boston, if they want to win and they want to get around it, they got to stay hot from shooting. And that's really, really hard to do over the course of a seven-game series. Well, besides staying hot in general, because, of course, in a three-point shooting league, which is what the NBA is, if Boston gets hot like it did in the fourth quarter of game one, they're going to win a bunch of games. But I guess my question for both of you then, since Golden State's defense with Gary Payton II looked significantly better than it did in game one, mm-hmm. What adjustments can Boston truly make? Because if you're talking about giving up a bunch of points in the paint and not scoring many in the paint, but Robert Williams also banged up, is it time to consider reinserting Grant Williams into the starting lineup, or what do you do? I think that you have... So the one consistent player that has been, uh, or at least in the two games so far, has been Steph Curry. Like, 
nobody else has really stepped up. Yeah, Jordan Poole had a great game last night. But Clay's uh, been it, consistent. He's just been awful. Yeah, uh, Clay. Yeah, I mean, he, he <laughs> consistently bad. Bit, <laughs> uh, I mean, wouldn't you just try to go out and double team Steph Curry and be like, hey, somebody else come and beat us? Well, I'm talking about the offense because you can talk about Golden State and how Curry's been consistent offensively. Poole had a very good game. Clay was awful, as we said before. Wiggins wasn't good either. But you only scored 88 points. Sure. And if you want to talk about what Boston can do to combat Golden State's top two quality defense, you go down the line, and it was a reason why each of us had issues with Boston during the course of the season. The bench scoring options are not great. And if Horford's only going to attempt four shots, which is a serious problem, you know Robert Williams is not going to shoot much anyway, then you're limiting your own options because Tatum and Brown have to do basically everything for this team. And that's why I said Marcus Smart would be the serious X factor for this overall series. It's because Boston needs a third score, and they really don't have it on a regular basis. Now, if Horford or Smart show up, then maybe they can get by. But if Horford and Smart combine for four points, they're not going to win many games against Golden State's defense. So that's why I'm kind of asking what... Boston should do to increase the offensive production moving forward because you go down the line on the bench, you have Derek White, you have Pritchard, you have a couple of guys here, but they don't have many forwards that are solid at scoring. And I feel like if you want to talk about what Boston could do and how they have to rely so heavily on the three-point shot, wouldn't that involve benching Williams, putting in Williams, and trying to go basically five out? Yeah, I, I and, and it kind of sometimes like, like when you're not making shots. And I think for me, when I'm watching a lot of these NBA, even regular season games or even in the playoffs is sometimes you just got to pick up, like play with more pace. And I think that Boston did that in, in the first game. Um, they tried to do it. They did it in the first quarter. Like they were playing with a lot of pace and they put up 30 points in that first quarter. Uh, but after that, it turned into a half-court game. The, the game really slowed down, and that's where Golden State, and I think both of these teams really excel. But I think you've got to give ball, uh, Golden State the upper hand in a half-court offense because just how good their offense is. Um, I think Boston just has to get back with play with pace. And and it, 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 and you have and we talked about this, right, because Eastern Conference Final said you're only going to get as far as Jalen Brown gets you. He had a great game one. He had a great first quarter, but after that, it was nothing. I think he only scored like four points for the rest of the game. I think one of the options you're right, uh, Scott, is probably put Grant Williams back in, give you another potential shooter from the outside. But That can know. also help you go faster because Williams can't really exactly. move up and down the court. Yeah, so I, again, if I was Boston, I would play with a little bit more pace uh, and see where that gets you again. But you have to get some type of production out of Marcus Smart as well. Um, Terrell, you have any thoughts on what adjustments the Boston Celtics can make uh, on offense uh, going forward? Yeah, I just I would challenge Golden State on the inside, and I would play through your bigs. That's the reason I I would not bench Robert Williams. I, if you bench Robert Williams and you go for Grant Williams, then you're basically saying that all right, we're both going to go out here and try to score 120 points because you're going to give up everything on the inside, and you, and those bigs quote-unquote bigs for golden state because they're a relatively small team are going to feast on the inside get a lot of easy points for golden state and you're going to try to supplement with your three-point shooting which may be on maybe off it depends but with robert williams in that lineup you can still play him on the offensive end he still is a valuable asset on the offensive end it, if you watched at one point in the game i think i can't even remember who it was but he tried to throw a lob up to al horford and it just was smart probably it just, yeah it just wasn't it it Al Horford doesn't need to be trying to catch lobs at 37 years old, but whereas Robert Williams, that's his, that's his go-to. He's you throw it up to me. I'm going to go down there and get it. You sit there and you set me up or you give me the opportunity to get offensive rebounds. I'm going to go and put it back up. That's so I would keep Robert Williams in the lineup as long as he's healthy and he's not a detriment to the team, but you got to attack Golden State on the inside and you got to try to beat them on from the inside out before you try to beat them from the outside in. Because they're gonna they're gonna let you have the outside all day because they're just testing you. They're basically just testing you and saying you're not gonna make shots the whole game. We yeah. can make shots. We have a whole bunch of people that make shots. We have two of the best shooters ever, mm-hmm. and their cousin on their mama's side. Like, come on. So they're like, we're, we we can make shots. I, I, we're not afraid. Yeah. We're betting on you not making shots. And so they got to figure out how they're gonna get the ball inside. Whether that's 
hey, we're going to attack Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. They're going to go into the paint and go. Marcus Smart's got to be more aggressive driving on the inside. He was actually getting a lot of good stuff to go for him on the inside. He's got to be more aggressive going on the inside in game three. But Al Horford and Robert Williams, that's your moneymaker right there. If you can run plays for those guys, get those guys some good matchups, and even when the help is coming, you'll open up and create for other people. So I would try to play through those two and get those guys some easy buckets because that's going to offset a lot of your scoring. I was just asking because Williams, even though he started, only played 14 minutes yesterday. That's why I'm kind of asking if that allows you to create more flexibility moving forward or if that just means whether he's injured or not, Williams has to play 25-plus minutes because he's one of your only defensive options in the interior. Yeah, and again, it's a certain level. I think as long as he's healthy, it's a certain level. I'm fine with – everybody's hurt by the time you get to the finals. Everybody's feeling something. And some people are worse off than others, and Robert Williams is one of those guys that's worse off than others. If I'm getting at least 60 70% from you, then I'm going to throw you out there. Like, I'm not going to take this moment away from you. I'm Hey, you got to fight through it, and we got to go out here and try to win this series because without you, it's looking real slow. And once again, they don't play again until the 8th. So you have two days off where Williams could get himself more healthy, not to mention all the injections I'm sure he's going to take right before the game. But I do agree that Boston, it seems like they're kind of dipping their toes into both sides where they're playing Williams, but they're not playing him enough. And if you're not going to play him a certain amount anyway, then shouldn't you try to experiment with going smaller to play faster? I feel like playing Williams 14 minutes gives you nothing. But you have to choose whether you want to play him 20-something plus minutes and try to dominate on the inside, or you embrace taking a three-point-or-nothing approach offensively. Yeah, and even like when the coaches do their you know pregame pressers with the, with the media, even Udoka has said in both the games one and game two that he's only going to be playing around 20 to 25 minutes, so he's definitely compromised. And I mean, you know, we don't know how how – we don't know the extent of the injury, right? I think we'll get that information after the series is over. But, yeah, we can clearly tell that if you're watching Robert Williams that he's not right. Yeah, he'll get you a couple lobs here and there. But, Scott, going back to your point that he did only play 14 minutes last night, I think that kind of that's kind of telling uh, what his status really is or how he's really feeling with that knee injury um, as far as, um, you know, going forward for this series. Another player I did want to touch on with you guys, Gary Payton. We saw him return last night. Uh, for the Golden State Warriors, uh, Warriors. I'm sorry, um, Orioles. Oh, I so said yeah. <laughs> Golden yo, State get Orioles. off, get off of I, MLB, I, yo. I thought you said Wardells. That's what I heard. What? No, oh, yeah. no, he said Orioles like the Baltimore Orioles. What? <laughs> Golden State Warriors. Uh, last night again, uh, he looked. Uh, I think. He's going to, I think for me, he's going to be the difference maker for the Warriors, right? I think that's copped Captain Obvious statement, but defensively, we saw him matched up on Jason Tatum early, uh, but it didn't quite work well there. But again, you know, the, the flexibility, and we talked about this right now, is that the different type of defenders that the Golden State Warriors do have that can throw at, they'll give you the different looks. I think that, you know, it starts with Gary Payton. Even offensively last night for me, and I was talking to a buddy of mine, is that it seems like Gary Payton is at the right spot at the right time uh, on the offensive side because I think his ability to finish around the basket is kind of underrated uh, as well. But Scott, we'll start with you. Gary Payne, obviously, is not going to be worth, and we talked about this when we were talking about the NBA Finals, guys like Robert Williams and Gary Payton, that the bookmakers aren't really going to account for how valuable they are to their teams, but to the point spread. But what did you kind of see from Gary Payton the second last night? And again, how effective is he going to be going forward for this Golden State Warriors team? Because I think it's, it's something that's very underrated that maybe the general public does not know about. I'm going to be very straightforward. I thought he was the second best player on the floor last night. I thought Curry was one because Curry was really just solid from top to bottom. Five for 12 from three, 29 points. Curry was great. Now, if you want to talk about who was the second best, you can argue Kevon Looney. You can make an argument. Maybe for Draymond, I wouldn't. I know that Tatum had a bunch of points. He was negative 36, so he's disqualified from second best player. Man, I hate that floor. point. That oh, I hate that plus minus thing. That is that's bull. That is was, bull. I did not think no. Tatum was good last. No, night. that is that is bull I didn't, because I mean, he was good. Because Jason Tatum was on yeah. the court. He was on the court playing with the second string. Oh no, Every no, time I, 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 
I, Every I time Golden State went on a run, Jason Tatum was on the court. We can't sit here and say Jason Tatum was at fault because he was on the court when Golden State. I'm not State fully went on blaming him. I'm just saying I did not think he was the second best player on the floor last night because defensively. No, nah, no, I get that. I'm just saying the plus minus, like the minus 36. That's it's exaggerated. Throw that out the window. Throw that, no, don't look at that stat. Throw that out the window because he was just on the court when they went their runs. Like he, if you take Jason Tatum off that game, that's not by 50. So, no, Terrell's no. right because last yeah. night he had to be out there with 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 the second the, string, the second because, because Marcus Brown Smart and Jalen Brown were yeah, they had those fouls. Besides, and, yeah, besides the fouls, also bad shooting. Jalen hung him out to dry. I mean, that pretty much the entire team hung him out to dry. So yeah, Derek White was four for thirteen. Like, yeah, I'm aware was, that the plus minus numbers are skewed because he was on, in the game with the bench unit, but I didn't think Tatum was great defensively, which was really the point where people were talking about him as being a top five guy because of what he did with Durant. And I know Golden State's a much different offense because of the off-ball movement, but Tatum, I did not think, had the intensity he needed defensively. But when it comes to Golden State, we can maybe uh, specifically talk about Golden State. Yeah, I thought Golden State's second best player yesterday was Gary Payton II. And I didn't think it was really close. It felt like every time he was in the game, the defense hit another level. Offensively, Munaf was talking about how he knows how to find his ways into some holes in the defense, which definitely makes him a very valuable commodity offensively, despite his inconsistent shooting from the perimeter. But he knows his spots, he knows where to go, and he definitely helps the spacing. Mm -hmm. But defensively, Gary Payton II was the best defensive player on the court last night. I think that's pretty obvious. So when it comes to his value, I said going in to game one with Iguodala, Porter, and with Peyton all being active, I thought they were worth maybe collectively one and a half points, one points or so. And of course, I was hoodwinked, led astray, run amok <laughs> because he didn't play in game one for whatever reason. I think Gary Payton should have played in game one, but for, sure. for whatever. He's extremely valuable to this team, and he's not going to get the same amount of publicity as Clay, as Draymond, even Jordan Poole. But I think you can make a serious case that Gary Payton II has been really just invaluable to this team. And the fact that they were able to overcome Memphis without him and Dallas without him means that people might have forgotten just how valuable he actually was. Mm -hmm. He's crucial to this team's success because he really instills a defensive identity that they're going to need to have. They're going to win the finals. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Terrell, anything on Gary Payton the second? No, no. I mean, Scott went and said everything that there is to say. And with him, they're able to go small and not really feel the effects of a larger lineup. Draymond was playing the five for a good portion of that game when mm-hmm. when GP2 was out there. And they were able to go small and, and keep Seth and Clay on the court, keep Jordan Poole on the court, and not lose track defensively at all. So – I think that this is a great move for them. I'm interested to see what this rotation looks like when you have to fit Andre Iguodala in there as well. And Do you have to fit Iguodala in? I don't think you have to, but they will. If he's active, they will 100%. And so where I still think he's probably going to get some 10 to 12 minutes, you know, somewhere around that, maybe even more, it's just how does that rotation – it probably takes Balika's minutes, to be honest – um, I can see that, but this bench lineup of Peyton, uh, Poole, Porter, and Iguodala, like those guys as your four guys coming off the bench, that's 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 pretty good for the NBA Finals, especially defensively. And so, I'm looking for, I'm looking forward to the rest of the series. But yeah, J- Gary Porton the second is absolutely invaluable to this team. And he's doing everything they he's doing all the grunt work. He's like getting it's like getting somebody without, you know, the attitude and well, I don't want to say attitude because I wouldn't say that as a negative, but Swagger. it's like you're not getting Draymond's personality out of him, but you're getting all of Draymond's effort and everything he gives to you on the court, you're getting all of that in a much smaller guy. Yeah. I think we might disagree a little bit on Iguodala's role moving forward. I don't think he should play at all. I think he's going to be a healthy scratch in at least one of these games. And it's not his fault, because I know that he's a veteran. He's been there before. He's a finals MVP, whether he deserves it or not. It's a separate story. But based on what you saw in game two, do you really need Iguodala to play if he's compromised health-wise? Because 
You're talking about 10 minutes and I get it. You know, it's a no, bench. No, you, don't, whatever, no, you don't need him. No, you don't need him. But I think I he's going to be a healthy. He's healthy. I think if he's healthy, he plays. I think if he's healthy, they're going to play him. Do you think he gives the Warriors much, even if he's like does the Undertaker? Play? Andre Godal is like the Undertaker at WrestleMania. You just come back for that one game, <laughs> that one match every year <laughs> and play and play and hard there and then take the whole year off, get healthy and do it again next year. I think he's going to be a good veteran leader, but mostly from the bench. I don't I, I don't think he's going to play in every game moving forward, healthy or not. I mean, All he right, probably go. shouldn't. He probably shouldn't. But yeah. yeah. I, they, they're going to find they, a way as to yeah, give him some minutes. They're going to they're gonna give him minutes. I, I'm almost 100% certain of that. They're going to give him minutes. I do want to ask one other thing, since we talked about all the good things that Golden State did. Mm-hmm. There's two ways to look at this, but we got to talk about it. Sure. It's, it's Clay Thompson. Yeah. we got to bring it up. Yeah. He's, he's been awful. Why? Why? Because I'm bringing it up because I do want to ask, based on how Golden State should be feeling. Oh, I was about to say, yeah. I mean, he's, he's giving There's two ways to look at it. We don't talk yeah. about bad basketball around here. I was going to say, there's two ways to look at it. <laughs> do you think Golden State should be, A, optimistic that they're tied 1-1, they played so well, even though Clay's been awful? Or should they be concerned that after such a good series against Dallas, Clay's reverted back to being awful? No, don't worry about it at all. Don't even focus on that. Don't fo- Do you focus on that, and that's how you're going to play yourself out this series? You need to focus on what actual things you can control because you can't control somebody that's just in a slump. Like he's got to shoot himself out of it. And that's honestly, if I was Steve Kerr, that's what I tell him. Like, all right, bro, you just got to shoot yourself out of it. I can't teach you. I can't do anything. I can't, yeah. we can't, we, we give you the plays. You have the opportunity, you get the looks, you just got to shoot yourself out of it. So I'm, I'm not about to spend a whole bunch of time trying to fix something that's not broken because that's how you, that's how you fuck up when you yeah, try to I- fix something that's not broken. I think he tried to do that last night by leaving Clay Thompson in the game when they were up by 25 plus 30 plus points last night, or sorry, 25 plus points last night when all the starters he had pulled, right? Seth Curry, Draymond Green, they were those guys were all on the bench. He still left Clay out there to let Clay kind of figure it out. Because you don't um, deserve to get rest. What you wrestling for? Yeah, you didn't do like, nothing. Yeah, you try to. <laughs> you hey, you know, what we resting you for? <laughs> not try to, you, you know, rest. try to get him out of the slump and hit a couple of shots, uh, but. I wouldn't be concerned about about Clay Thompson, but we've seen games in this in the postseason so far where he's had, you know, 29, 30, 32 point games where he had that game, the serious clincher against Dallas, where he hit what seven of 13 or seven of 14 three point shots. So he's gonna have the game, right? Clay, Clay always shows up when it's like game five or game six. And I think that's where it's really going to matter. But I did have one more question for you guys. Uh, but let me uh do that on the other side of this break and tell you guys about win bet. Make sure to get down on wins bet $50 win $200 promotion where a $50 bet qualifies you for up to $200 in free bets. And if you bet $500 or more on sports or casino before July 31st, 2022, you get entered to win the ultimate fantasy football draft experience at Encore Beach Club, including a two night stay at win resorts for you and your entire league. And multiple entries are allowed and also, you can party with DJ Diesel. All users can bet $100 on NBA or casino and be entered into a prize drawing to attend a DJ Diesel. That's Shaq, if you guys didn't know. Performance at Encore Beach Club at night, as well as a meet and greet with DJ Diesel this summer. There's so much to choose from, and all you have to do is download the WinBet app or visit wynnbet.com to get started. Offers up to change terms and conditions at winbed.com must be 21 years or older and present in a state where playthrough winbed is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. And let me also tell you guys about Sleeper. Sleeper is the fastest growing fantasy platform with millions of players. You probably already have a fantasy league on there, and I use it for mine. It's a game-changing product unlike anything else in the industry, and now you can make money on Sleeper 2 by playing their new over-under game. It's super simple. First, in any sport, choose two or more players that you like and pick their over or under. For example, number of points in basketball or hits in baseball. Then choose the amount of money you want to enter into the contest, and if you pick correctly, you can win anywhere from two times to over 20 times the money you put in. The main reason we're excited about Over Under on Sleeper is that it's the only app where I can join my buddies' contests and play together. It's got a built-in group chat where I can see and copy my friends' picks and with a tap of a button. It's insanely fun to write it out together. Stop what you're doing and download Sleeper now and to play their new Over Under game. Have fun with your friends and make some money. So I got to do on your mobile device, join our listener group on sleeper at sleeper.com slash SGP and sleeper will automatically match your first deposit up to $100. That's right. Join our squad and get 100% deposit match at sleeper.com slash SGP. And like I said, it's a lot of fun because you can 
you can make fun of, or not make fun of, but like they said, you can ride it out together and you can sweat with Sean like he was on those loony assists last night. He had the over two and a half. Didn't come into fruition, but he did end up with two. But make sure to use promo code SGPNBA. And like I said, Sleeper will match your first deposit up to $100. All right, guys. Um, one more question I did have is, and I think this was a discussion I was having with a couple of buddies as well, is that we still haven't seen the, I think, the full potential of the Golden State Warriors offense be put on full display yet. And I think that's what one of the scary parts is for this Warriors team, because we just talked about with Clay. Clay hasn't looked very good, but I think when he, when he shows up, when it really matters, I think later in the series, like those game five, those serious clinching games, right? We've talked about Clay Thompson game six, but are you guys worried that at some point that if Steph doesn't have a good game, that nobody else steps up, that it may cost them the series or, but do you, or do you think that guys like Jordan Poole, Clay Thompson, uh, you know, their other shooters are going to be able to figure it out as they, as the series kind of progresses along here, Scott. That's why I brought it up. Yeah. Because as of right now, it's basically, it's basically courier bust. And that's what we've seen. Wiggins has been, a bit streaky offensively. He's still been invaluable with his rebounding. So, of course, he's mm-hmm. still been very solid in general. Poole was basically unplayable in game one. And truth is, the first half of game two didn't look great either. And then he suddenly caught fire a little bit at the end there. And then he hit basically the half-court shot at the end of the third quarter. But that's why I brought it up. Because Clay goes four for 19, one for eight from three. And I understand that he can have moments where he suddenly wakes up like the Undertaker and he suddenly has a great shooting game. But when you're going to be awful about 80% of the time and then you're going to have one great game in a seven-game series or two great games, how reliable is the guy? Because everyone keeps waiting for Clay to wake up and have these moments, but the majority of the time he's not been very good. Yeah, And I know that he was good in the Dallas series. I get it. But you can go through the entire playoffs up to this point it's been a mixed bag and I might be generous at this point. So if Curry ends up having these games where Boston is more physical with them, they start doubling, they start trapping on pick and rolls and you're relying on other guys. There's no guarantee that just because their name is so well known, they're going to produce at the level that we expect them to. And right now, Clay is in a dark place and he's going to need to get out of it because unless Curry continues to shoot well, which is still possible. Don't get me wrong. He's Steph, he's Steph Curry. He can still have a bunch of great games. Yeah. But if Boston focuses on taking him out or making him extremely uncomfortable, I think there's no guarantee Golden State supporting cast is going to step up. I think that's the concern. So I think that's why Boston is favored in game three and why they're still the favorite in the series, minus 115, but still technically favored. Mm-hmm. It's because Boston has home court and they're expecting Boston's defense at some point to at least keep Curry somewhat in check and dare the supporting cast to beat them. And I feel like based on what we saw yesterday, you would have assumed Golden State was minus 130. Sure. They're not. Yeah. So they're expecting some type of balancing act between these teams. Story of the playoffs, it's been the National Blowout Association, and we've seen teams just take turns beating each other up. But I think you should be a bit concerned, in my opinion. Terrell, concerns? About Golden State's offense, or do you think they're going to be okay? Um, I mean, I think they'll be okay for the level of defense that they play. They might be okay and, anyway. I'm just saying. And if, yeah, no, I, yeah, that. it's just I think that they'll be fine. I'm not really concerned because, one, Golden State's offense has never been predicated. Yes, they've always had gifted scorers, so they didn't necessarily need to sit here and say, oh, well, I mean, if he doesn't go off, we got two other guys that can score 20-plus points or blah, blah, blah. But – if you watch Golden State offense, they've always been predicated on sharing the ball, getting the best quality look for the players that they have on the on the court. Yeah. They do a lot of a lot of cuts, a lot of laying to the basket, a lot of off ball movement, a lot of getting people open, and that's not going to change just because Clay is going through a shooting slump, or you know, that's not going to change their offense. And so, I'm really expecting one the adjustment that Steve Kerr will make is to try to build Clay's confidence early in the game. So maybe one prop that I'm looking for this next game is clay first quarter points. And Hey, instead of just sweating out a whole game, just take the first quarter over because if his, if his confidence is going in the first quarter, he's going to be amazing for the rest of the game. But if he goes and he starts missing, 
a couple of shots. Clay is a cocky dude. Like he is a cocky dude. You see the commercial where he's going out. He's talking about how he had the record for most three pointers in a game. So he's he's a cocky dude, and that's his personality. And so when you watch that three pointer that he made yesterday, and you saw the like the weight come off his shoulders, like yes, I got one to go in. If he gets that early in the game, then it's going to be scary, and it could be like him. But if he doesn't, you still got guys like Andrew Wiggins. You still got Otto Porter Jr. coming. You still got Jordan Poole, who can be a flamethrower whenever you need him. And you have all these other options, and it's not like you need those guys to go out there and create or anything because Golden State's offense creates for itself. As long as you got Steph out there, even if he's being trapped or doubled, he's still going to find ways. Others, as long as you got Draymond out there that, that knows his personnel on the court and going to find yeah. ways to create for him, I think that their offense can always be in it, even if they don't have an additional 20 point score. Yep, I agree with everything. I think that you're, you're right that you got to establish him early, not even, you know, get get to the basket, maybe get some mid range jump shots. It doesn't have to be three point shots or, you know, get an easy layup at the basket, get to the free throw line, look for something to go in, um, and then uh, go from there for Clay. But I, I have faith in Clay. I've always been a Clay fan. Um, I think he's going to snap out of it uh, sooner rather than later because. Uh, he hasn't been very good, at least like we talked about in the games one and two. I like uh, Clay too, but it seems yeah. like every time he snaps out of it, he snaps back into it. Yeah, yeah, I'm, and that's that's to be you know that's to be that's to be he's still working his way back. Like uh, we we've been through half a season with Clay at this point, but he's still working his way back, and I think that's what's important for everybody to remember that that injury, the two injuries that he faced, are not easy. Even Toughest if you're playing, injuries in NBA. Yeah, you're not yeah. you're not gonna be back at. I really don't expect to see him to look like Clay right. Clay, the 22, 23 points per game Clay until about this time next year. To be honest, even after an offseason and beginning of the season, I still don't think he's gonna have that in him. But if he can give you that one to two games in this series, if you get two, then I'm sorry, Golden State, wipe it up. You're good. Yeah. But the one that you're getting is very valuable. Yeah, and I, I think I, I agree with everything that 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 Terrell just said. I was going to bring that up that he is coming off of those two injuries, right? Like he's still like people say, oh, he's already played a half a season or whatever, how many games? But those are those are the two of the you go tear your injuries. ACL and your yeah. Achilles. And you go tra- tear your ACL and Achilles and then go try to play basketball. Yeah. Even if you took a year off, you're still not going to no. be there. Like even in a couple months. You're still and so how long? Year. How long do you think it actually takes for him to get back? Because once again, I've heard this. The I, told you, I, I don't think he will be. I don't think he will be Clay Clay. He will look like how he's supposed to look, or like how he does. He will not look like that until about this time next year. Even if you look at Kevin Durant. And he just had the Achilles injury. When Kevin Durant first came back for months, it was like, oh, okay, there's Kevin Durant. Um, oh, there's Kevin Durant. Uh, oh, there's Kevin Durant again. Oh, and then it finally, after that next season, it clicked. And it was like, oh, okay, that's Kevin Durant. There's That's that Kevin Durant that I remember. Yeah, and Clay, like, this is going to be the first time in I don't know how many years where he's going to have a proper offseason where he's not – recover or he's not recovering from the injury. He's not rehabbing. Yeah, he's not rehabbing, right? So he's going to have that full – Full off season to you know work on getting his legs stronger and 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 working on his shot and and being around the team versus just rehabbing with your medical staff and 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 all those guys right so I think that for Clay next season if you think it's around this time in playoffs or or after All Star break I think Clay will start being Clay again again we we've, we've seen throughout the playoffs where we've seen like Terrell just said we've seen little spurts of it but again sometimes again it's a mental thing as well right because some it's probably still in the back of his head that hey I'm coming off these two injuries that at any point it, it could god forbid that it could happen again and even last night when he went up for that dunk, uh, for that dunk Mark Jackson immediately said oh if I see a player like that who's coming off of those two injuries go up and fall down like that. It's always going to be in the back of my mind as a head coach, or even maybe in the back of his mind. So, you know, I think Clay is going to be okay. I think they have enough with Jordan Poole with Gary, getting Gary Payton back. Come on. Looney has been getting easy baskets uh, uh, around the rim. Uh, I think they're going to be okay. And again, you still have Steph Curry, one of the best players um, in the league on your roster. So I think they're going to be fine. You guys have anything else you guys, uh, well, maybe we haven't touched on from game two of overall in the series before we move on. Uh, no, um, no. I, I was just going to ask so far Udoka is about two games in to his NBA finals coaching career. Mm-hmm. Any takeaways? Is he being coached off the floor by Steve Kerr? Do you think it's relatively close? Because from what I could tell in the first two games, it seemed like it's really just been a case of streaky shooting. 
Sure. Golden yeah. State forgot how to shoot in the entire fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. Boston made every three-pointer in game one, and then Boston forgot how to shoot in the second half of game two. Do you think the coaches too, have been pretty uh, close to each other? I think it's too early to tell. Yeah, I, was I, mean, say I think that. it's too early to tell. Yeah. They, I, I, I would say that the coaches are doing the same thing as the series. They're 1-1 right now, and, yeah. you know, Udoka got his, his hit in, and – Kerr countered, and now it's time for to see what Udoka is going to counter with, you know, because he's got to figure out how to get some points on the inside. Yeah, he's got to figure out how to get get guys easy looks and easy looks at the basket on the inside instead of relying on the three the entire time. Because you you were gifted forty percent last game, you had fifty percent the game before that. So are you telling me that if you shoot anything under thirty five percent? Because there's probably going to be a game like that. I just don't expect it to be so hot from three the whole time that you may put up like zero points this entire game. Yeah, so they, they got to work on that and figure out other ways to f- score the basketball that is not the three-point line and take advantage to the three-point line when it's given to you. But I am curious, though, then what adjustments would you make for Boston to get more easy layups? Because if you've looked at the defense up to this point, Looney, we know, is a very solid defender in the paint. We know that Draymond's a very good defender in the paint. Clay is a pretty good defender. He's not the same guy he used to be, but still pretty good. Wiggins is a good defensive player. And the truth is, Curry's held his own. Yeah. So I guess what I'm asking is, what holes in the defense are you looking for? Because it seems like Golden State's starting five, not to mention Peyton the second. It's a pretty solid defensive unit. Yeah, no, they are. But it's, and that's why, well, that's one reason why I'm on Golden State, because I don't think yeah. that is to, is to me just what they're going to make. But what I would do is, one, open up the paint. And because you're going to Jason, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, Jesus Christ, the Jays be getting me mixed up. You didn't Jason say Jalen Brown. Yeah. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, they, they get all this, <laughs> they get all this attention. They command all this attention and it's so easy. They switch, go to state switches so often. Mm-hmm. And so everybody's so focused on, Oh, well we got to switch on Jason Tatum and get Jason Tatum a mismatch. And they don't realize, hold on. When you switch with Jason Tatum with, Al Horford and you're talking about Jason Tatum's got him. No, Al Horford has the mismatch. Al Horford is the guy we need to feed the ball into and get an easy look on the inside instead of trying to, you know, allowing Jason to create or for himself and create for others. So I would take advantage of Golden State switching because they're going to switch the entire game and use that against them to get some easy looks with people undersized under the basket. I think that we haven't seen a game where both Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown have like in the same game had a yeah or had a a consistent game between them scoring like whether it's been like putting up 23 or 25 points each and then hoping that you get something else out of a Marcus Smart or Al Horford or Grant Williams right like it's been game one Jalen Brown had a great game Jason Tatum wasn't great, but Al Horford stepped up for them, right? Derek White stepped up for them. But I think it's that it really has to start with your two guys that, hey, they have to be consistently good in, in, in the same game, right? And then hope that you get something, some supporting cast out of the rest of your supporting cast because that's pretty much what it is. That's what I've kind of looked at, especially throughout the journey of the playoffs for the Boston Celtics. It's been one guy or the other. I think they've maybe had one or two games where both guys have stepped up um, and, and been consistent. But and then got something else out of the supporting cast. But so far, the NBA Finals, Jalen Brown, great game one. Jason Tatum didn't shoot the ball well, but he did have 13 assists in the last night. Jalen Brown got off to a great start, tailed off, only finished what five of 13 or five of 17. But Jason Tatum had a great night scoring. So, yeah, so um, I think that's what it is for me. But yeah, again, I, I think that we can make that determination, Scott, to answer your question is that if at some point when Boston, if they do get down in this series, let's say two games of one or three games of two, I think that's where, you know, I want to see what Ime Yudoka responds with. I think that's where I can make a determination of, um, you know, how if he's getting out coach or how he's how great of a head coach he's going to be. But again, give him a lot of credit, man. Getting this Boston Celtics team all the way to the NBA finals, that's uh, it, nothing to uh, discount. Anything else for you guys? There's too many off days. Yeah. I'm just going to say. I saw it. your tweet on, that you thought the game. I, I truly thought the game was <laughs> on Saturday night. And then yeah. I'm like, oh, no, it's Sunday. Like, oh, my bad. <laughs> All right. Let me tell you guys about Athletic Greens. Uh, what is this stuff? It's with one delicious scoop of AG1. You're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins 
minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. It costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. AG1 supports better sleep quality and recovery. And Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash SGP. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash SGP. Take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily insurance. And last but not least, we're also brought to you by IP Vanish. Did you know that browsing online using incognito mode doesn't actually protect your privacy? That's right. Without added security, you might as well give away all your private data to hackers, advertisers, your ISP, and other prying eyes. That's why we at SGPN use IPVanish VPN to make it easy to stay truly private and secure on the internet. IPVanish helps you safely browse the internet by encrypting 100% of your data. This means that your private details, passwords, communications, browsing history, and more will be completely shielded from falling into the wrong hands. Even your physical location will be hidden. IP Vanish makes you virtually invisible online. It's really that simple. For our listeners, IP Vanish is offering an incredible 70% off the yearly plan with a 30-day money-back guarantee. That's like getting nine months for free. IP Vanish is super easy to use. All you have to do is tap one button and you're instantly protected. You won't even know it's on. Stop sharing with the world everything you stream, everything you search for, and everything you buy. Take your privacy back today with a brand rated 4.6 out of 5 on Trustpilot. So go to ipvanish.com slash SGP and use promotional code SGP and claim your 70% savings. That's ipvanish.com slash SGP. All right, guys, before we wrap up here, I wanted to see if there's any other uh, bets that you guys wanted to give out as we are tied up one-to-one right now. We're seeing um, either Boston is favored minus 115 to win the series or Golden State, depending on the book. But over on win bet, as of this morning, I did see that they have the um, Golden State Warriors favored to win the series at minus 115, minus 105 for the Boston Celtics. Um, I know Kramer gave out um the Warriors in five yeah Warriors in five and i'm trying to see what that number it was at is 14 right and one. i don't know Warriors in five right now is that it's been chopped in half at plus 750 but you guys have anything you guys want to give out mvp or updated series prices i think curry just went from get from borderline lock to guaranteed lock if golden state wins okay. because he's been the only consistent guy to show up so if you do like golden state i think Curry is just basically a lock to win the MVP at this point. Oh yeah. But I ended up hedging, uh, but I could always get back in Golden State. I mean, it's really not that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. The thing is, Golden State, should they still be an underdog in this series in most books? I would say no. I get that Boston now is home court advantage. Boston's five and four at home this postseason. They've really not been very good. Mm-hmm. So Golden State, I do think, has shown, especially with Peyton the second being back in the lineup, defensively they have a gear that I'm not sure Boston has. And offensively they have more options where they don't need their best two guys to play lights out in order to win games. And Boston seems like they kind of need that to be the case. If you want to look for some options here, I don't mind Golden State minus one and a half games. At about plus 270. Okay. I think that's a good price going into the finals. I had Warriors and six. And besides the fact that they completely punted away a double digit lead in game one, you can really make the argument that when you exclude about 12 minutes, which was fourth quarter of game one, Golden State's been the better team in about the other 84 minutes. Can you say that? Yeah. Other than that so, fourth quarter in game one, yeah. Yeah, so if you take that out of the equation, the other 84 minutes, it's been either close or Golden State's looked like the much better team. Mm-hmm. Minus one and a half games, though, plus 270, that looks pretty attractive to me. Yeah, I agree with that uh, 100%. Uh, Terrell, anything uh, that stood out to you in these finals markets or any finals props uh, that you have seen that you may want to give out? Yeah, Golden State in six plus five to one. Just keep that in your back pocket. If you got the 14 to one, Golden State in five, I'm really sick I didn't get in on that. I don't know what I was doing. I think I was, I don't know. I forgot. I would have loved getting that. Uh, but you were, stu- I, I you were studying something. WNBA. Yeah, that's, uh, that's obviously what I was doing. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, wow, 6 and 0 ATS. That's crazy. Wow. All right. But <laughs> one of my favorite props that I've seen, and if your book offers it, then you should tap in and do it. But I've seen a series outcome where it's 
like labels out the li- the winner of each game. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to get out my magic crystal ball and tell you exactly how this is going to go. Okay, let me write this down. Hold on. Because Golden State's going to win. So for Golden State, uh, everything has Boston game one, Golden State game two, because that's what already happened. Right. Golden State to win game three, mm-hmm. Boston to counter and win game four, mm-hmm. Golden State to win game five on the road, and then game six, Clay to come out and they win game six. It's 12 to one. So, yeah. and then if you say you don't like that, say you don't like that and you think, no, Terrell, you're wrong. Golden State is going to lose the first game on the road, then win the second game on the road. Oh, okay. Well, Golden State to lose game three, win game four, win game five, win game six is also 12 to one. So take your pick. Those are two 12 to one bets. And I'm pretty sure that one of the two is going to cash. By the way, I think you misspoke before. Game five is at home. Game six is on the road. Yes. Okay. Game six on the road. Yeah, they don't. They don't do two three two anymore. They do two two one. No. Yeah. 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 Did I say? Did I say wrong? I think. Oh, I think I you said wrong? road for game five accidentally. But oh, all right. Well, fine. either way, they're going on the road. Game six for game six play, and that's what's going to offset the games. So, yeah. No. It's yeah. Actually, thing. Yeah, it's a hundred percent thing. So I would. Yeah. I would play that because one, that's the two. That's the only really the only two ways that Golden State can win in six. <laughs> no. Well, I mean, yeah. unless they they win the next two games and then lose game five. But yeah, no. But that would. Yeah, I mean, then they, they would wrap win. it up. Bad they game could sweep. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to take them to sweep. If they sweep Boston, they're just going to win it. Wrap it up in five. So there's a credible amount of ways to green up if you've already been tailing these plays. But I just – I don't know. I think Boston folds. I really do. Yeah, I, I like the angle of the minus one and a half that Scott laid out at plus 270 and then the 12 to ones that you just laid out, Terrell. I think that's pretty solid as well. That's there are more value on that. Uh, I'm, with, for, I'm, with Terrell that to a, yeah. I'm with Terrell to a certain degree about Boston folding. I think if they lose game three, I think they might fold. I think yeah. if they win game three and lose game four, you still have a dogfight in your hands. Mm-hmm. But if Boston loses game three, and I don't mean like last second missed shot, I mean like double digit loss, I think the inexperience will take over. I think they'll realize we haven't been here before. Golden State knows how to win these type of situations, and we don't. Yeah. And I do think that doubt will creep in. I don't think doubt's creeped in yet because, of course, they set, they accomplished their goal. They still won on the road. But if Golden State comes out and wins game three handily, I think Boston might just be cooked at that point. Yeah, you agree? I, I agree. I think the game three is, is really going to be where... I think it's a must-win for Boston. I think so, say. too. Because I think like Golden State knows like they were not wavered after that game one loss. Like You saw Steph Curry in game one sitting on the bench like kind of nodding his head. He's like, all right, you know, we're going to be fine. And they said it all throughout... You know, leading up the to quotes, the press yeah. conference quotes really just which game. is why I, I was concerned, actually. Yeah, I thought Boston had, had actually an OK shot in game two because I thought Golden State was overconfident. It yeah. just seemed like we just lost the game. And eh, who cares? We know that we're better than them. We'll figure it out. I'm just like, I feel like you're just disrespecting your opponent. And it turns out they had every right to disrespect their opponent. Sure. So Golden State has that confidence built in. We've been here before. We've done it. Boston has it. So I'm not sure they're going to respond to adversity as well as the way Golden State did. Like I said, first of four wins the NBA Finals and the title, boys. All right, that's going to do it for the NBA Gambling Podcast on this Monday edition. Uh, gave you know, We recapped uh, in-depth game two and what we're kind of looking out for the rest of the series. Gave out some updated series picks for you guys as well. Um, uh, and then we'll be back between myself, Terrell, and Scott for game three on Wednesday uh, to talk about uh, game three and the betting picks for that game as well. And then me and Zach will be back in some form or fashion, maybe discuss a Quinn Snyder uh, res- uh, resignation from Utah and get his thoughts on the NBA final so far as well. Uh, Terrell, anything else, my man? You want to get off your chest before we get out of here and let the people know where they can uh, they can find you on social media? At really real underscore underscore Instagram and Twitter. And, you know, 6-0 ATS in WNBA today. The largest slate the WNBA has had all season. And, you know, when the pressure's on, boy came out. Uh, nothing, you know, just a you know, little harmless plug. And not to mention me and Scott both hit, uh, what was it, plus 260 dog the other day? 
you know. And we had the wings on, yeah, so, I believe you know. it was Friday. Yeah, so, you know, not, well, something slight, something slight. Make sure you subscribe over to the WNBA Gambling Podcast. I'm not going to take a victory lap because some people don't like that. But, you know, just trying to let y'all know what you're, what you're signing up for when you go route with the winners over there. Just trying, you know. And, and guess what? Basketball's about to be over. Basketball's about to be over. And, like, oh, really? <laughs> Basketball might be over on Monday. <laughs> if we really want to talk. <laughs> NFL, NBA basketball. NBA basketball might be over on Monday in game five. Just, it just might. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm just telling you, it, it could be. It, it could. It's a chance. So, yeah, just make sure y'all do that. There you go. Scott, anything else you want to get off your chest, man? Uh, the only thing I know is um, I got to get my ass back in the studio because the NBA picks have not been great since I left Vegas. Uh, we'll get back on track. You know what happens. You got to go through your ups and downs. Besides that, once again, WNBA has been going well. I ended up hitting my dog yesterday. Uh, Terrell swept the board, so I know that he did well. Uh, humble brag, though. You know, he doesn't want to be too, you know, doesn't want to anger the gambling gods too yeah. much, you know. You don't want to anger them, yeah. Either way, you're looking yeah, forward. I would hate that for there to be some NBA fans out there that I are in anger. I would really hate to anger any NBA fans. L- yeah. Literally NBA fans. Yeah. All right, that's going to do it, guys. Uh, we'll be back on uh, Wednesday uh, between myself, Scott, and Terrell. Uh, till then, good luck with your bets this week. Let's, it's a brand new week. Let's break these books off and let it ride. Basketball, give it, give it, give it.